Amen. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Good. Good. Well, if we've not met before, uh, as Graham said, my name is Jeremy, and I'm part of the team here. Hi, Sarah. Uh, and we are currently in a sermon series, uh, as it obviously said on the screen, uh, about the Psalms. Uh, as So we're kind of taking a psalm, speaking about it, what, what maybe God could be speaking to us through it. Rob kicked us off uh, with a recycled message from 2020. Uh, on Psalm 121, Basidi continued with uh, Psalm 71. And last week, the flying Scotswoman herself, Fiona, spoke really well about Psalm 19. Um, you can call her that, but just don't say that I was the one who said that. Um, easy. So, why Psalm 84? <laughs> I must admit, I did find this process uh, incredibly hard. Psalms can sometimes be hard to teach from. They, obviously, they are, they are uh, songs. They are something that people sing as, like, praise and worship. Whereas, um, but for me, this psalm paints a beautiful picture of the church. And it's, it's a psalm that I have always been, seemed to come back to when I'm feeling a little bit uninspired. I'm feeling a little bit low feeling a bit deflated, uh, particularly over the last few months. Uh, as some of you know, I've been, uh, I was back in New Zealand for, a long, for about six months or so uh, to be with my mum. And like, it was, quite a, it was quite a crazy time. It was quite a deflating sort of environment. Nothing against you, mum. Go to bed. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it kind of, it starts off strong with how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Clearly, telling us that there is nothing quite like church. There's nothing quite like the church. Uh, and further on from that, you know, at, at the end it says, better is one day in your courts than a thousands elsewhere. Saying that time spent with God is more valuable than time elsewhere. Do you know what? These verses for me just really awaken something. I'm not sure exactly what, but it really awakens something in me. And uh, I just, I've just been thinking over the last few weeks, like what could this teach us as church? Um, but yeah, I don't know about you, but I think there's something really special about church. There's something really special about walking through, it could be St. John's doors, but any other, any other doors. And it's just really special. It's a special environment to be in. You know, it's an opportunity for us to be in community together. It's an opportunity for us to laugh together. It's also an opportunity for us to cry together. Uh, how do you feel about church, if I could ask that question? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Uh, that's why I did the long pause. No, no. Uh, is it the highlight of your week? Is it the low light of your week? Is it just something that you do because it's part of your routine? Whether you resonate with those questions or not, today we're going to look at what the psalm can teach us about how church should be. Church Church should be. Church should be a place where people feel close to Jesus, loved, cared for, and hear from, hear from the Lord's transforming word. Often people can walk in and think, is this really the good news? Is, this Bible, is the Bible good news? Is church good news? Mate, church is boring. Some people might say that. I don't say that, just so you know. Church is cringy. Uh, don't say that either. Uh, is this really what heaven is going to look like? 
is this really what he was going to look at? Maybe the ceiling, but who knows? Uh, there's no way that we can tackle these questions in one talk, but I would just like to show you and tell you just a few feelings that should be involved when the church is what it is intended to be. When we come with this mindset that church is going to be boring, newsflash, church is going to be boring. If you walk in thinking that church is going to be boring, it's going to be boring. But if we come in thinking that we're, that we're going to touch heaven, we're going to go, we're going, to, we're, we're going up and believing that we're going to receive from the Lord, that's probably what's going to happen. This psalm is about longing. It's about longing for God and having fellowship with him, seeking him and spending time in his presence. It also talks about the dwelling place or the sanctuary, which is another, just fancy words for saying church. A bit of history about the psalm. The psalm is what's known as a pilgrimage psalm, sung as praise to those who travel to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, pilgrimage comes from the word pilgrim, obviously. Someone who, and a pilgrim is someone who makes a journey for religious reasons. The authors of the psalm are the Korahites, who were set aside for the service of the Lord. They were placed in charge of worship, uh, doorkeepers of the sanctuary, place of worship. The Korahites in this psalm speak with experience about the holiness and the blessedness in the sanctuary. So we'll break down this psalm into three sections, starting at verse 1, and we'll go from 1 to 4, and then 5 to 9, and then 10 to 12. So if you haven't got your Bible open, then why not open it up and buckle up? We're about to have a Bible study. Get excited. Uh, so the first four verses talk about longing for God. So, so I'll just read them here. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. I can hear a Matt Redmond song in my head. Um, <laughs> I'd almost interpret this bit as almost like seeing a family member or a friend for the first time in a very long time. I don't know if that's happened to you over the last sort of two and a half, three years or so. You know, when we could hug again, what a time. It was, um, it was great, you know, like even, even like a baby, almost like a baby, like they're crying out for food. They're literally crying out for food, like grizzling and stuff. Uh, so when I went back to New Zealand back in January after my 10 days of isolation, prison, no, um, uh, I was let out and I saw my, my mum and dad for the first time in about two years. And like, we literally cried, um, cried out for each other. Uh, it was amazing. There was just like this genuine yearn for each other. You know, in a similar vein, a sold out genuine worshiper would long slash yearn to spend time with God. Surely we would feel like this. Surely we should feel like this towards church thinking things like, you mean I get to go to church, sing praise to God, be in community with others, and it's only once a week? The psalmist has this excitement, so why shouldn't we? We should totally have that excitement. Verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Even the sparrow has found a home near the altar. Back in those days, it's where a lot of burnt offerings and animal sacrifices were made. 
in other places, the sparrow and her younglings wouldn't actually live to see another day if they actually made their nest by the altar. But this verse paints a picture of God's protection over us. The sparrow lays its nest near the altar where they would be in the presence of God. When we worship God, we should feel like that bird. We should feel like that bird. We are in the presence of God, under the protection of God. We don't have to worry about life anymore. That is what the psalmist longs for, to be like the birds in the sanctuary near the altar. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. They are always praising you. The psalmist thought seems to be, if the birds can dwell with God, what if I could dwell in God's house? If God allows a sparrow to dwell in his house, how much more than servant, than the servant? The psalmist's dream is to live in the house of the Lord and be forever praising him. Surely that's what heaven is like. I'm sure many of us experience, long to experience that on earth. We experience to have Jesus close to us. In order to do that, we need to walk with God. So if we're longing for God, we also need to walk with God or travel with God. So let's look at verses five to nine. Verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Or in other words, translate it, blessed is the person who gets fulfillment and gets rejuvenated when they worship God. In the second section of the psalm, the writer realizes that however much they would like to spend all day, every day, in the temple praising God. They just, they just don't have time. That's just not realistic. Sure, the birds get to do it, but they don't have to be at a meeting in bank at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, you know. And sure, the priests, Graham, and temple people, Graham, uh, get to do it, but that's their job. You're paid to praise God, mate. <laughs> Another question for you. What gives you satisfaction? What gives you satisfaction? Could it be fishing? Random one, but any fishes in the fishermen? Yeah, love that. Uh, doing well at work. Passing that exam, Caleb Hunter. Reading books, Graham again. Uh, all good stuff, but, they, but do they give you serious, real, real satisfaction? Do they really give you satisfaction? Um, nothing gives you full satisfaction but God. I'm here to tell you today, nothing gives you full satisfaction than God. Charles Spurgeon, great theologian, said this. I'll try and say it slowly. The blessedness of worship belongs not to the half-hearted, listless worshippers, but to those who throw all of their energies into it. Neither prayer nor praise nor the hearing of the word will be pleasant or profitable to persons who have their hearts behind them. Hearts before them. We need to have our hearts before us. Verse six, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. You know, Baca is a landmark in Israel. It was a trademark slash landmark of refreshment and remembrance for all that God has done. And it was a destination on the pilgrimage. Israel 
is quite an arid country. The roads can be hot, the roads can be dusty, and the travellers can get very thirsty. So whether the valley of Baca is an actual valley with pools of water in it or a dry valley that develops pool, church is, church is actually designed to be exactly that. It's designed to be a valley of refreshment. It's designed to be a place of remembrance and encouragement. Something awesome happens when we gather. Something really amazing happens when we gather. We receive from God and the dry times of our faith just seem to diminish. Um, in verse 7, the psalm tells us that the long journey to Israel is made up of these little rest stops on the road. So verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength till each, each appears before God in Zion. Could also interpret that as from strength to strength, from refreshment to refreshment. It could be interpreted as, yeah, refreshment to refreshment. Life's, life's difficult, man. I don't know about you, but I think life's difficult. You know, the Christian life is hard as well. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, things don't get incredibly, don't go from 50 to 100. They sometimes stay at 50, you know. And do you know what? I think that could be a reason why a lot of people fall away from faith, is that um, they burn out. They get really weary of just how much of a battle it is. And it's actually really tragic when that happens. I've, I've had a few, a few friends over the last few years that, particularly through COVID, that have really like fall, that have fallen away from faith. And that's actually really difficult, really difficult to sort of stomach. But I do think that could have been avoided with what the psalmist is saying here. Like most, most people that fall away from faith probably didn't go from strength to strength. They just, like I said, they just burnt out. They didn't stop at the rest stops. They just charged and charged and charged instead of stopping and being refreshed. But if you take the Christian life one day at a time, one step at a time, one answered prayer request to another, one Sunday service to another, from one blessing to another, one good Christian friend, one prayer partner to another, when you go from strength to strength, you will look back over your life and be amazed that you have come so far. You know, you could do a whole sermon series on that, how to go from strength to strength. I feel like I could have said so much more there, but we'll move on. Verse eight to nine. Eight and nine. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. This short but very rich prayer it's very instructive to us. The shield is a reference to God himself. This is the conclusion of the psalmist's prayer to God. In the prayer, they are asking God to be their shield in order that they might arrive safely in Jerusalem. The road is wild. Not just, not just the Israeli road that they're walking, but also, like I've said, the, the road that we walk with God, but also life. It can throw us curveball after curveball, but these verses tell us that God is our shield. God is our shield. Yeah. As we journey along, we will eventually reach the presence of God 
as this presence of God that we read about in, in verses 10 to 12. This is genuinely my favorite part of this chapter because it tells us of how great it is to be where God is. So, so yeah, we've got, to, we've got to long for God. We've also got to journey with God. We've got to walk with God, but we've also got to go after the presence of God. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousands elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. This verse, verse 10, is the climax of the psalm and is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. The psalmist realized that even though their time is short and he cannot remain long in the temple, it is better to spend only one day, one day in a lowly position in the temple than it to spend other day, a thousand days anywhere else. Uh, this week I've been in Italy uh, having a few days off whoop, whoop, uh, with a few of my best mates. Fun fact, first time to mainland Europe. Yeah, woo. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was amazing, you know, having like five or six espressos every day. Uh, more like one or two because, you know, don't want to get the shakes. Uh, pasta as well. Like I'm pretty sure like, like the pasta I make at home is like, is like vile now. So... Uh, this verse, verse 10 says one day in church is worshipping God is better than a thousand days anywhere else today, Sunday this day is more fulfilling than those days in Italy sorry boys Um, went with a few friends Uh, the psalmist goes on to say that he would rather be a doorkeeper than dwell in the tents of the wicked doorkeepers I reckon, are either welcomers or they're bouncers. So welcomers embody their excitement for what's to come, whereas bouncers are there just to fulfill their job, just do their job. So out of those two, welcomers or bouncers, which one are you? Which one would you pick? The bouncer who just turns up and does the job, routine, it is what it is. Or would you rather be a welcomer, a person who embodies their excitement for what's about to come? A day in the courts of the Lord here in church grants pure joy and happiness. It's better to be at church than on holiday in Italy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold, and those who walk, whose walk is blameless. This verse shows us that God is a sun and a shield, or a light and a protection. When we feel cold, God shines like sun and warms us up and gives us light to the path, to our path. But when we feel hot, maybe too much sun, heat wave, uh, and overwhelmed, God will be like shade, a place where, our, place where your strength is renewed. He gives us favor and honor or grace and glory in other translations. Grace is God smiling at us. Glory, ironically, is given to those who serve God. The next bit says that we need to walk blamelessly. Thankfully, we don't have to be perfect. Thankfully. But we need our heart set on God, walk in obedience to him. If you are walking blamelessly in obedience to God and his word, there is no good thing he will withhold from you. 
Verse 12 rounds us off with Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The more we trust in God, the more we trust God, the more we fall in love with him. The more we long for him, the more we will receive from him. Just like the prodigal son, like the father running to his son. The father runs to us with open arms. There is also a great blessing in in traveling to meet God. He gives us time, times of resting and refreshment so that we make it safely to his presence. And when we get to where get to where God is, we get the greatest blessing of all, and that's him. It is better to spend one day near God than a thousand anywhere else. And his presence is joy and peace, light, protection, grace and glory in every good thing. The writer of the psalm loved to worship God and knew that there was nothing greater than that what, and realized that there was nothing greater that we could do. When God is worshipped, there is no greater joy, there is no greater thrill, no greater satisfaction. Worshipping God is what we were made for and it is how we're going to spend eternity in heaven. So in summary, come into land with this. The first thing we need to do is long for and cry out for God. We need to long for him, we need to cry out for him. Tell God you want more than anything else, that you want to be near him and you want to be with him. The church can be this way. Our church can be this way. And our life can be this way if we want it, if we want it bad enough. And then secondly, walk to it, travel to it. There were discomforts on the roads for these pilgrims. And it's never going to be an easy road but they made the necessary adjustments in their life because they knew that the cost was worth it. If he wanted it badly enough, he was willing to travel any distance to get it. He was willing to travel to that sanctuary. Are there things in your life today that you need to get rid of in order to make room for God? I'm here. I believe that Jesus is actually knocking at your door. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. And he wants to come in and actually, he actually wants to have fellowship with you and spend time with you and give you strength and encouragement. He wants you to go from strength to strength. But if you don't open the door and if you don't set a place for him in your life, he will not force his way in. Experiencing heaven on earth begins with longing, but it continues with embarking on a journey towards God. Step by step, day by day, being in it for the long haul. Not just a transactional thing, but a long haul. And if you do these two things, long for God and walk to God, then the the psalm tells us that there is no greater than being in the presence of God. Nothing this this earth has to offer can compare with the sweetness and pleasure of the presence of God. So I am with this. Is there anywhere else you'd like to be right now other than church? I don't know about you, but I prefer church. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand together? And just, just say a little prayer.
Father, thank you so much for the church. Thank you for giving us the church. Lord God, we just want to thank you that there is nothing like it. And Father, I pray that that we would be rejuvenated for you, that we would find deep, deep satisfaction from you. May your presence be among us this morning.